Praise be to God. We are grateful to the Lord our God, even as we have come before His holy presence. We are grateful that He is a God who speaks to us, a God who instructs us, a God who does not leave us in darkness, and we try to guess what He wants. But He has given us His holy word. And today we are, uh, we have as our theme, love of the works of God. Love of the works of God. Well, the only way that we, by which we can love the works of God is if we love God himself. Amen? I mean, uh, if we love God, then we, we love everything that is about him. I mean, let me ask you, how many of you have been in love before? <laughs> right? If you only had Facebook then, all right, you look at all the posts of this one that you love, all the pictures, okay? And you try to find out everything about that person, what that person wants, what he gets involved in. And if we're not careful, we might be accused of being stalkers, all right? So praise be to God, it's also the same with God. God loves us and he cares about everything about us. How we think, how we work, the prayers that we offer unto him, how we respond to things uh, that we face in this world. God cares about all of those stuff because he loves us. But then we need to love the Lord of God, amen? I mean, we heard, uh, well, today we didn't have the summary of the law. We have the uh, Ten Commandments, which is basically representing the law. And if we should love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, then we are interested in how he works. We are interested in who he is. We're interested in everything about him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, one time I was uh, attending a conference and uh, this one particular minister was talking about many of the teachings that he has heard. And he mentioned this one item. He says, uh, teachings on prayer bores me. Really? I was surprised that he said that. Okay? Because he's a minister. Because I've read everything I've, I've, I, I can get through prayer. I've heard lessons about prayer, teachings, lectures, and sermons about prayer. It doesn't bore me. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of us have ever experienced answers to prayer? You know, when, when we begin to see answers, I mean, we, we experience answers to prayer. It doesn't bore us. It excites us. Okay? See, how can something that is of God bore you? Cannot be. Alright? Maybe, I don't know, some people think, well, God, sometimes... That's just too shallow for me. <laughs> Sometimes in super intellectual people think that they're deeper than God. <laughs> Nobody can be deeper than God. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is no mind that is existing right now that can be so deep that even God does not understand that. We might not be able to understand everything about God, but God understands everything about us. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I've, I've read a story of one particular father, his name is St. Augustine. 
And one day he was pondering about the Trinity. That great, glorious mystery, the Trinity. All we know is that we have one God. Okay? In three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? There's only three of them. And yet they're one. And he just wants to be able to... Uh, grasp this in such a way that he can reduce it to uh, simple terms that he could understand and really communicate it to people. And he was walking on the beach one day and he saw this little boy who was digging a hole in the ground. Then he would run to the, to the water, uh, you know, fill his pan with water, run to the hole, pour the water there, go to the water again, fill his pan with water and run to the hole. And he kept doing this. And, and St. Augustine approached the boy and said to the boy, boy, what are you doing? And the boy said, I'm trying to get the ocean into this little hole. And St. Augustine said to the boy, boy, you can't do that. You cannot fill that hole with all of the ocean out there. And at that point, God spoke to him and said, Augustine, that's what you're trying to do in trying to reduce the Trinity to your own understanding. Okay? Sometimes we want something that we can understand and we can analyze so that we can really hold it. But the Bible very clearly says to us, trust in the Lord with all your and lean not unto your own understanding. Okay? It, it's going to be a mystery. It doesn't mean we don't understand anything about it. It simply means we don't understand everything about it. And the Bible very clearly says that is not an excuse for us not to be able to trust in the Lord. Right? When Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father, one of the things that he said to his apostles, he said, there are many things that I would like to teach you, but I can't teach them to you now. You're not yet ready or prepared to receive that. But he never said to his disciples to stop trusting in him. He never said to them, until you can understand everything, that's the only time that you can trust. Okay? I mean, really. If we understood everything, there would be really no need for faith. Because we really understand everything right now. But because we do not understand everything, we need to trust in God. Amen? We might not know exactly where he's leading us. But we know the one, we trust the one whom we are following. It's enough that he knows where he's leading us. And we don't have to be afraid. Why? Because we know God is good. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is faithful. Okay? God is compassionate. We know that he will never lead us down a path that will destroy us. God will never double-cross us. God will never leave us hanging. God will never give us a promise and then get bored, change his mind, and do something else and leave us there wondering what happened. No. People leave God. God never leaves people. Okay? People walk away from God. God never walks away from us. And even when people walk away from him, he tries to to reach out towards them. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Okay, he never gets tired of us, of us because he loves us. And as we come to the gospel this day, as we come to the word this day, knowing that we need to love the words of God, we should love God. And really, when we really think about who God is, what kind of a God he is, how can we not love him? You understand what I'm saying? How can we not love a God who according to the psalmist David, he wrote in Psalm 8, what is man, O God, that your mind is filled with him? Okay? In today's language, probably from people who might not understand, they might say, what is man, O God, that you are obsessed with him? Understand what I'm saying? Psalm 8 tells us that God's mind is filled with us. I mean, he can't help but think about us. And the Psalm of Solomon, you know, it's, 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 it's a love song. You know, it's like a, a, a love affair between a man and a woman. But really, if you're going to look at it spiritually, it is how God feels about the bride at church. He says, whenever I look at you, my heart beats faster, my sister and my brother. <laughs> it says, whenever I look at you, I am confused. <laughs> it's like someone who's so in love, you know, it's, he has lost the sense of what's right and what's wrong. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, these are language. And I'm looking at this and God, this doesn't sound like you. All right? But he's using symbolic language to try to communicate to us exactly what he's, I mean, reading the song of Solomon. It's like God is saying to us, I am so crazy about you. But when I look at you, my heart skips a beat. I forget everything. I go nuts. <laughs> Now we know God is not a senile, pushover, uh, forgetful person, but the language is so strong. Knowing that there is this God who loves us so much, how can we not love him back? Right? And so we come to the message. Because we love Christ, we continue his works by bringing his presence and power into people's lives. Because we love Christ, we continue his works by bringing his presence and power into people's lives. See, when we we have our own uh, desires, our own wants, uh, there are things that are important to us that might not be important to other people. But I want you to know that God makes a note of these things. Okay? And uh, for those of you who have secret wishes and dreams of what you would have, wait until you get to heaven. 
Sometimes, you know, when you walk with God in obedience and, and do everything, you don't even have to get to heaven. He does it for you here. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? Uh, everything that's important to you becomes important to God. Why? Because He loves you. Okay? And so, therefore, if we choose to love this God, who has told us to love us with all his heart, with all, with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, then the things that are important to God must become important to us also. You understand what I'm saying? Because God loves people, he likes to help people. Okay? And if we love him, then we say, God, how do I help you doing this? Let me be part of this uh, work that's going on. I mean, we're not saying to God, God, I didn't sign up for that. No, we don't say that. Uh, we don't say to God, I've got enough problems of my own. Okay? No, that's not what we say to God. We say, God, we love you. We thank you that you're helping us. And we'd like to become part of your team. We'd like to team up with you. You love people? Okay, Lord, we will love if you love. You want to help them? I want to help them also. Show me, Lord, how I can help. Show me how I can bring your presence, your, your power in our lives. And that's how we can really help people. Okay? So, for many of us, we have already experienced with God. How many of you have ever received healing from God? How many of you received finances from God? Okay? We can help people by doing that. Teach them how to receive healing. We can pray for man for healing. Okay, we can give to people, but at the same time, we can teach them how to walk in the principles of God also, so that they will be able to not only experience this in their life, but come to the point where they're not just receivers of the blessings of God, but they become ambassadors of the blessings of God. They become distributors in the network of God. Your downline, you're in the downline of Jesus, and you recruit these people. And you teach them, and they receive the benefits of God, but then you teach them also how to minister the, the blessings of God to others. So now you have a network of distributors under your downline. And so what I'm saying? Now I'll just use the language of the Bible. Downlines, that's our language. But the language of the Bible is we make them disciples. But it's only when we become disciples of the Lord, that we can disciple people. Disciples can, can produce disciples. A non-disciple cannot produce a disciple. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, hello? So if we love God, then we do what He says. We receive, we experience Him in our lives, but then we don't stop there. We begin to love what He loves. We see people in trouble, we see people in need, then we say, Lord, how can I help? How can I bring your power and your presence in that? Let's go to uh, the Gospel of John chapter, uh, John chapter 9, verse 1 to 11. Three things I'd like to share with you here. The first thought I'd like to share with you, I'm basing this in verse 1 to 5, and it's this. In Christ, we have the answer to the needs we face. In Christ, we have the answer to the needs we face. Verse 1 to verse 5. In Christ. Okay? The second thought I'd like to share with you basically is in verse 6 to verse 7. 
It's by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do His works. It's by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do His works, verse 6 to 7. And then verse 8 to 11, the third thing I'd like to share with you is this. We are witnesses of God's grace and power. We are witnesses of God's grace and power. Okay, let's go to first thought, verse 1 to 5. In Christ, uh, we have the answer to the needs that we face. All right? Let, let me just first read verse 1 to verse 5. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay? But here they were, they were, walk they were walking, and they see this person, he is blind. Because he was blind, he was handicapped, probably could not get a decent job, and so was able to only earn a living the way they did then. He probably was begging for alms. I can't work a machine. I can't shape metal. I cannot use carpentry. I cannot hunt. Because he's, he's probably saying, I don't have my eyes. And when did you lose your sight? I, I don't know. I've been born this way, blind, all my life. Uh, he, he's only known darkness. For someone who could not see, he's only known darkness. That's all. Okay? And, uh, you know, Jesus Christ went there. And, and, and you know, while they were passing along, the disciples noticed the man and, and said, uh, Why is he blind? Did, is it because his parents sinned or he sinned? Okay? And they were, you know, they were thinking, well, you know, the parents were doing something wrong. Then this person in, inherited this. And in, in Jewish thinking, Jewish culture at that time, they had this, this thought, this, this idea that a baby in the womb can sin. Like, uh, uh, if like uh, their parents were idol worshippers in secret, then the baby somehow inherited this kind of sin. You, you understand what I'm saying? Okay? So they had these thoughts. And Jesus Christ just tells them, neither this man or his parents sin, but that the words of God should be revealed in him. Instead of trying to find out why, instead of having a theological discussion of why this and why that, he says, look at the need at hand. Okay? You don't need to understand why this happened or why that happened. If you need to understand that, the Holy Spirit will show you. Okay? But he says, at this point in time, you need to understand every need that you meet. Every problem you experience. Every trial that you face. All of these things are opportunities to see God at work. Okay, that's what he said. Uh, these 
but, but that the works of God might be revealed in him. In the situation, okay, try not to focus on the problem. Try to focus in getting God's will done in the midst of that problem. He says uh, that the works might be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Okay? Uh, I was listening to a, uh, an American uh, preacher. And he talks about a Filipino, <laughs> uh, someone who just got saved. And he was somewhere, I don't know whether he said it, or it's called that. Okay, but it's in a red light district. He would frequent the bars, and uh, I don't remember the name of this guy, but I remember the name of the bar that he mentioned, Sweet Moments. Okay? This guy was a patron of that particular bar. In that bar, they had ladies for rent. <laughs> All right? But he was filled with the emptiness of what he was doing, and he heard the gospel from someone, and he received the Lord Jesus Christ, and now he was grateful that he was, you know, saved. And as he was thinking, thanking God, he started thinking about the people in the bar. And he said, well, Lord, uh, if I felt that way while I was there, and when I was there, I talked to the, to the girls, the guys, you know. The guy who was in charge of the prostitutes was a gay person, all right? And uh, I know the problems. How, how can I help them? So he felt the Lord say to him, go back to the bar. Can you imagine that? Go back to the bar. I mean, if he talked to me and said, should I go back and walk? I'd probably say no. Right? But he was a beginner. You know, he didn't have any kind of uh, traditional theological training. And uh, he said, I felt the Lord. Okay. And he goes there. And, and uh, okay, I'm here. What am I supposed to do now? And the Lord said, start praying for these people. So he's there just praying, praying for the, the God. The, 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 the gay guy was in charge of the ladies, he's praying for the ladies. And he was just praying for them. I don't know whether he was drinking, maybe he did, I'm not sure. But things began to happen. There were people who started noticing him and said, we can't help but notice you. I have this problem, can you help me? So he was talking to them, was sharing, you know, and then when the, the opportunity comes, he would share with them, this is what God did for me. Okay, then they would attack him, they would leave, no, no conversion yet. And so, uh, that's all he did. And uh, uh, the owner of the bar was in charge of the women. Notice that he was a friendly person, so he just came over and talked to him. That's all, that's all they did, they talked. And he told them about, he told the guy about what God did for him, okay? Nothing happened yet. But one day he was at the house, and somehow, uh, the owner of the bar found him in the house and said, I really have a problem. I really, really have a problem. And I can't think of anyone to talk to and ask help from, except you, and I don't even really know you that well, except that you're a client in the bar. And so he says, okay, tell me the problem, go to the problem. He says, look, I don't know how to help you, but you know someone who can. 
And this is the guy who helped me. And he talked to him about Jesus. This is how he helped me. So we're going to pray right now. We're going to ask God to help you. So they prayed. The guy left. Okay? Then after a couple of days, the guy runs to him in his house and says, What kind of a God do you have that he's willing to help someone who's turned his back on him? He answered your prayer. He helped me. Who is this God that you're talking about that he's willing to help me when I walked in darkness for so long and I blasphemed his name, I cursed his name. What kind of a God is this that he would help me because you prayed? So I told him, I told him it's the God who sent Jesus and he loves us, he loves us and we will forgive you. Would you like to receive Jesus? The guy said yes. <laughs> he received the Lord. He brought the presence of Jesus to that person and he received the Lord. Okay? So the guy said, what, what, what do we do now? Well, this guy says, uh, now we're a team. I just read the Lord said that if we will agree, things will be done. I was now I just go to your bar and be the, the only one. Now let's go back to your bar. Your ladies, they will listen to you. <laughs> In other words, that's all they did. Share Jesus to them. Eventually, a church grew from that. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's as simple as that. This guy received the Lord, received a deliverance of some kind, peace and joy, and all he wanted to do is you know, he, he's thankful to God and his thanksgiving is not just thank you, see you again next time. He says, Lord, how can I thank you? Let me sh share this. And that's all he did. He didn't take any Bible uh, studies, didn't take any uh, catechism classes, didn't go to any theological schools, has not attended any of the evangelistic meetings of how to share Jesus, four steps to receive. No, he, he didn't have all that. All he knew is this is what Jesus Christ did for me. And I'm going to tell you about him. I'm going to tell you what he did for me. And if you want the same thing, you can have him the same way I had him. You understand what I'm saying? Hello. Not complicated at all. Not complicated at all. In verse 5, it says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. It's so significant that he said this at this time, because at this time, in, in Jerusalem, it was the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? They were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. That's sometime in September and October. Okay? In the Feast of Tabernacles, they would light up one of these big candlesticks. They would put this on top of the mount. My wife and I, we went at the top of the mount. Okay? But instead of finding a temple there, uh, there's this Dome of the Rock. It's a Muslim uh, structure. But during Jesus' time, the temple was there. And uh, before we went up that area, we were warned, if you're carrying prayer books, hide them. Okay? You cannot pray while you're up there. The Muslims were guarding the area. You know what? They were guarding the area. 
and they were watching for people who were praying. And if they find people who were praying, you know, they're holding hands in a certain way, they would stop them. We didn't find anyone doing that there, but I've read of accounts where that has happened. You understand what I'm saying? That the, the Muslims in charge of that particular area on the Temple Mount are watching for people who are praying. They are forbidding prayer in that area. Only the Muslims supposed to be can pray in that area. But my wife and I, that's no problem because we prayed in tongues. Let's just pretend we're talking. You know, they don't know we're praying in tongues. And if they hear what we're saying, they probably didn't understand what we were saying. Oh, the foreigners. So we went to Jericho March, right? It's, it's a big place. You know, we were just praying in tongues and thinking, you know, there are advantages that we have because we have baptism in the Spirit. But then it was during this time that they would set up all of these big candles, big uh, torches, and at night from a distance. You see, we were able to stand at the Mount of Olives. You know, it's, and when, you, when I say it's a mountain, it's not like Mount Mayon. All right? It's not really that, that tall. Okay? How many of you been to the Gaian Hills? Maybe it's something like that. All right? So, this is Mount of Olives, and this is Jerusalem. There's a road there. We're able to stand there. We can see the whole of Jerusalem. We can see the Eastern Gate. And the Eastern Gate right now is sealed. It says it will open when the Messiah will come. And from there, you can see the Temple Mount. And we can see this big structure, the Dome of the Rock. One day it will become a temple. You can see it from there. At night, it's lighted. But during Jesus' time, with all of these torches and the temple that Herod built, it's made out of gold, it was shining brightly and, and the light would be reflected from the gold of the temple. And at night, you would see this thing that was lit up. Okay? That, the message of that then was this. The Jewish faith is the light for the nations. Okay? But now that Jesus Christ has come, he said, I am the light of the world. What these candles are symbolizing, I have come to fulfill. You understand what I'm saying? I am the light. If you are in darkness, you're confused. I am the light. If you're going through a period of darkness, a problem that you can't see yourself, I am the light. You understand what I'm saying? So if you're going through a certain situation right now, in your family, in yourself, or whatever, understand Jesus is the light that you need to solve that darkness. Amen? I mean, he's, he's the one who's there to help us. Are you learning something from this? Okay, let's go to the second thought, because I'm running out of time again. 
It is by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do his works. Verse 6 and 7, let me just read this. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, uh, which is translated sand. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Take note what happens when Jesus Christ comes to the scene. Okay? It's not in this particular story, but it's somewhere in the gospel. There was a time that uh, Martha and Mary experienced a crisis in their lives. Their brother, what's his name? Lazarus died. Okay? During that time, death is common. They don't have the medicines that we have today. They don't practice the, the what we do today in hygiene and things like that. They have no concept of infection, contamination, and things like that. And so, uh, easier for people to die during that particular time. Okay? Martha and Mary experienced a death in the family. It was only a natural thing. People died all the time. Enter Jesus. What happens? Lazarus rises from the dead. One time, Jesus and his apostles were walking. They met a funeral procession from the other side. It says a widow lost her only son. Again, naturally. Enter Jesus. What happens? He raises the son. The widow didn't even ask him. You understand what I'm saying? The reason I'm saying that is that you have to understand God has compassion on us. Compassion, uh, it's a Greek word splanka. It's a new Greek word that, they, uh, that, uh, that the writers invented because this is not just pity. This is not just sympathy. This is God feeling exactly what pains you. And he's moved to do something about it. You understand what I'm saying? That's what he wants to do. He saw we would sin. He saw we would fall even before he created us. And he came up with an answer. Salvation was made for us even before he created us. Jesus and the Father had an agreement that when the time came, he would come to the earth, die for our sins, and give us salvation. Something happens. Something ordinary becomes extraordinary. Jesus gets some dirt. Okay? Spits on it. And applies it in the eyes of the blind. What would happen if you knew about germs, bacteria, okay, antibiotics, Things that they didn't know then, but you know now. And you were transported during that time. And you see this guy spitting on dirt, making mud, and applying it on a blind man's eye. What would you think? Stop doing that. You will infect the guy's eye. It might even kill him. Right? That's something that's dangerous, right? 
Dirt is all ordinary dirt. Spit? <laughs> Would you like people to spit on you? No, you don't, right? But it's Jesus spit. Mixed with dirt, something ordinary becomes extraordinary. And he rubs it on this guy's eye. And he tells this blind guy, I want you to go to the pool of Siloam. The word Siloam means sand. And during this time in the feast, the people, the priests would get waters from the pool of Siloam and they would, uh, you know, pour it on the altar. The, the water would flow from the altar down the steps of, of the temple. And from the temple steps, it would begin to flow out into the world. And Jesus Christ is saying, that's what I am. I come from the presence of God. And I am going to make sure that my healing power flows from heaven to earth to everyone's heart. You understand what I'm saying? This blind man goes to the pool of Siloam. I mean, think about it. He comes in. Wait a minute. Look. Whoever you are, he could have said to Jesus, look, I'm just here minding my own business. I'm asking for money, something that would help me get by. You come along and then I hear you doing something. You know, I think you're spitting on something and then I feel this cold thing being applied to my eye. Okay? And I can't do anything about this because I didn't even know you were going to do this. You put this mud and spittle and dirt in my eye, and now you're asking me to go to the pool to clean, clean myself? If you didn't make me dirty, I would have to do this. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't complain. Which brings me to another point in doing the works of God. God requires us to obey Him without complaining, without murmuring, without demanding an explanation how it's going to work. You submit this story to the doctors today, specialists. They will not be able to explain to you what just happened. Mud should make things worse. You understand what I'm saying? By putting it in his blind eyes, it's already blind, it should make things worse. It might infect, you know, and infection might spread his brain, might kill him. I don't know. But you don't do this at home. You understand what I'm saying? Unless you get specific directions from God himself. Right? Okay? So he goes, and it says here, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So he went and washed and came back to him. How did it work? Because if it's a simple as getting dirt, spitting on it, 
and putting on your eye, then I'm going to ask everyone who wears glasses to line up outside. I'm going to make sure I've got enough skin. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't know who's going to be the first volunteer. <laughs> because I sure wouldn't. Uh, Bishop, to make sure it works, why don't you apply it to yourself first? No, you first. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I have it didn't work. I don't know, but it worked. Okay? He did exactly what the Lord said. He came back to you. Okay? Now let's go to the third thought. You're learning something from this. Verse 8 11. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not the one who sat and begged? Some said, Well, is this he? Others said, uh, Looks like him. And then he says, Look, guys, I'm the one. Okay? Therefore, they said to him, How were your eyes open? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made play, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. Okay? We are witnesses. A witness is someone who's able to share from his experience what the Lord is able to do. And all we have to do is share our experience with others. What God has done for us. Okay? And when we do that, we inspire their faith. We create an opportunity for Jesus to repeat what he has done for you. Except that he's not just doing it for you, he's doing it for others. Once upon a time, you were recipients to the miracle. But because you shared that by the grace and the mercy of God, by the power of God, now you begin to multiply, you become an instrument in the multiplication of miracles, signs, and wonders in the earth. And I'm telling you, that is going to happen right now. Okay? We are in a different season right now. And God is accelerating things. We have a choice. We can be either spectators at the sidelines watching things happen. Or we can become participants in the front seats. Working with the Lord. Helping make things happen. I hope that we become participants in the front seats. The cutting edge. We are in the cutting edge of what God is doing. Amen. I'm here to learn something today. Praise God. Let's all stand and proclaim.